Welcome back to another episode of the Lovecast. In today's episode, we're going to begin with me, Jordan, and Butsy recapping Nuggets and Heat Game 3. And then after that, Butsy, Jordan, and Zwick are going to be doing game total over-unders for the NFC South division. Alrighty, I am here with Jordan and Butsy, and today we're going to be recapping Game 3, Heat and Nuggets. What a game, boys. Uh, this was the Jokic game, I think. Actually, no, it was a Christian Brown game and Bruce Brown game. Um, but Jokic also has the first 30-point, 20-rebound, 10-assist, triple-double in finals history. Uh, I heard a stat where I believe there's been five 30-point triple-doubles in NBA history, and Jokic has three of them. So this guy's on another planet right now, and he is by far the best player in the NBA, in my opinion. And we can start with you, Jordan. Do you think Jokic is the best player in the NBA right now? Wow, we're going this route early. We're going there. Yes. Interesting <laughs> route. Yeah. Before the playoffs, I had Giannis. Even after Giannis lost, I still had Giannis. But after this run from Jokic, he's played absolutely out of his mind. And there is just – he's given you no reason um, to pick against him as the best player in the world. Like I mentioned – when we were predicting the series, the Nuggets get shot so easily because of Jokic. He can score if you play him one-on-one. If you send doubles, he's going to find the open guy every time. And he just makes the right play every single time. I'm never mad when he shoots the ball. Even if it seems like it's a contested bad shot, he seems to make them a whole lot more than he misses them. He shot, what, over 60% during the regular season. He's probably close to that or better for the playoffs. Um He's just he's unstoppable, and the one knock on him was probably his defense, and maybe he was too slow to guard. Um, he's definitely not a liability on defense. I think he's solid. He's so big, he's impossible to get around. He's impossible to rebound over, and he's hard to shoot over too. I think he is. He has taken the belt from Giannis as the best player in the world. I yeah, he's the best player in the world, but I don't like really think that this was his game. In all in all honesty, I think this was absolutely the Jamal Murray game. Jamal Murray also had 34, 10, and 10. I said this last pod. If Steve Kerr and, and the majority of the NBA and people who know ball are going to call Jamal Murray the head of the snake and you got to cut him off, um, and you're trying, they did in game two, and what did I say he needed to do in game three if this team wanted to win game three? Jamal Murray needed to shoot more. What did Jamal Murray do? He shot more. He put up 34 points, 10 rebounds, 10 assists, and it seemed like he was hitting the big shots down the stretch to keep the Heat at bay. Like in the fourth quarter, when the Heat, uh, when the Nuggets would go up like 18, the Heat would cut it to like 12 or 10. And then Jamal Murray, I remember hitting a couple of clutch mid-range shots that, you know, off maybe a broken play or, uh, you know, their tough pull-ups in, in Jimmy's face. But Jamal Murray was an absolute beast last night. I think his 30-point triple-double, in my opinion, is more significant for this Nuggets team winning then Jokic's triple double. Michael Porter Jr. was had a super interesting game to me last night. It seemed to me like he got benched. He only played 21 minutes. He was one for seven from the field, over two from three. He had seven rebounds and two points. Really could not get anything going. I like this move from Michael Malone, uh, benching Michael Porter Jr. because him benching Michael Porter Jr. made him bring in Christian Brown, who played out of his fucking mind. He was seven for eight from the field. His only shot that he missed was a rough-looking uh, three from the corner that he hit the side of the backboard on. Gets his own rebound. 
this guy brings a ton of energy and athleticism to the court. And I like that Michael Malone was willing to take one of his starters and bench him and not continue to try to have him shoot out of the rut like the Celtics do with Jalen Brown, for instance. Um, to me, this is why you have the question marks about Porter because it's very obvious that he is not a very consistent player and he can get into his own head sometimes and he chucks up a lot of shots. I thought Christian Brown really swung the game here in favor of the Nuggets. Um, I thought his 15 points were extremely important to the team, obviously, but they seem to be... Have you ever seen points that are more meaningful than regular points? You know what I'm saying? Where it's like... Yeah. Yeah, they, they, they just... The impact that they have, they were deflating points. Like, it would be the Heat begin to go on a run or something and Christian Brown would go and hit a layup or get a big uh, and one or a dunk or something that would... Yeah, Christian Brown's... Christian Brown's 15 felt as impactful as Jimmy's 28. And yes, I think it's crazy that a guy just had the first 30, 20, 10 game in the finals. And we're talking about it being overshadowed by two other guys who were on his team. But Christian Brown was absolutely unbelievable. Butsy, you had a great pod last pod. I'm not going to lie. And when you, <laughs> when you made your predictions, I was kind of like, eh, maybe, I don't know. And then your, your big prediction was, Play Christian Brown. <laughs> like, yeah, play Christian that, Brown. Period. That was that literally was, all that was it was. Statement. And you Swami were like, Butsy. Butsy was literally like, when KCP and MPJ aren't playing well, just play the subs. Just play these other guys who are playing well and who give you a ton of energy, and they're at least going to um, give everything they have, like Christian Brown. And then he goes seven for eight, 15 points, uh, a couple steals. He even had a, an assist, and he looked aggressive offensively, which I've never really seen yeah. him look like. Um, where do where, I don't know where did the heat go from here? Well, real so, quick, def- defensively, Brown holds up so well. Uh, his athleticism mm-hmm. and his vertical and horizontal speed is just he's able to uh, keep up with those guys and at least put pressure on Jimmy. Maybe he's not locking him down, but just the strength that he plays with coupled with that speed, it makes it it's not easy to score on him. And he's relatively lanky, six six. I mean, I, I mean, I'm just so impressed with him, obviously, and his defense as well. But yeah, where did the heat go from here? I'm not sure, dude. I, I think there's adjustments to be made, obviously, but I mean, they at some point we were expecting them to kind of come back to, down to earth shooting wise. They were shooting out of their minds the last couple of games and they kind of ref- came back to the mean a little bit. Kyle Lowry looks a little beat up. Jimmy Butler, I know he had 28 last night, but it felt like, I don't know, did it feel like something was off with him? Did it feel like he's a, a tad slow or something? Yeah, I've been, I've been, and I've been the kind of ambassador for that on this podcast. Um, he's been slowing down these these last couple of series. It seems like he's trying to be a bit more methodical and try to get to his spots. And you look at the shots that he's hitting; they're not, you know, insanely difficult shots. They're they're you know catch on the short corner, turn and turn and kind of put up a little push shot or a little floater type shot uh, type type of shot. Um, Jimmy Butler has yet to assert himself in this series. I mean, he. he hasn't had that 45 point Hemi Butler performance that everyone's been waiting for, for, I guess two series. Now Um, the role players have really stepped up for this heat team. And you know, every, when we, we can't fall trap to as a podcast, we cannot fall trap to when the heat have a bad shooting game to say, okay, heat are coming back down to earth finally, because they could absolutely light up in game four and, and we could be completely wrong. But 
I thought Denver's defensive intensity was absolutely incredible in the half court last night. Michael Malone, I know for a fact, laid into this team after the game in the locker room. Then he came out and ripped them up in the media talking about how their effort was so lax at the day school and they just didn't show up to play. This team was fucking ready to go for game three in Miami. I thought they brought the intensity. Miami looked flustered and all out of sorts all night. Um, I know Bruce Brown had three blocks last night off the bench. Unreal um, getting getting that off your bench. And Christian Brown, obviously an incredible defender as well. Um, but Jokic, I, I saw a stat or read a stat this morning. I don't think this is going to be 100% correct. But I think it was that, I think JJ Reddick said it, that the Heat were three for 15 when Jokic was uh, the primary defender on a shot on a shot last night. So yeah. Jokic's presence was actually felt for once on defense, which we've been talking about has been uh, his only weak point was what has been his defense. And for, you know, him to finally be a defensive presence and have the heat go three for 15 or whatever the exact stat was. I think it's uh, very close to that. If not exactly that is, is huge for the nuggets. I mean, their defense I thought was the whole reason that they won the game. Um, they're still struggling from three. Somebody needs to tell KCP and MPJ that the final started um, because they're still like, I, I I don't know where the fuck they are, but they are going to need to show up. Actually, they might even not need to, which is the crazy part. Two of your starters can go like a combined two for 11 and you could still win this series in five. It's yeah. ridiculous to me. Yeah. Real quick on the Jimmy thing. So I thought he came out and looked super aggressive, super assertive, looking for a shot. He he had, what did he have, 14 in the first half. He had 14 in the second half too, but he took 16 shots in the first half, which he only he only made six of them. But I loved his aggressiveness in the first half. I loved the shots he was taking. And yeah, he missed a couple, but he hit a couple tough ones. And I was like, damn, this might be the Jimmy game. Then he comes out in the second half, he only takes eight shots. I think there is something to what Max is saying with the ankle being injured. I also think he's just exerted so much energy to get to this point that maybe that wear that wore on him a little bit. But with all that said, I still think the Heat sneak out one more game. I still think we do see the big Jimmy Butler game. So I don't I'm not picking the Heat to win the series, but I actually do have a sneaky Heat win in game four. That I'm I'm mad that you said that because my next point was gonna be I I have a take. Um I've actually been relatively successful betting this series, not nothing to do with any sides. I hit a bet last night on the first half under that hit pretty nicely. <laughs> Excuse me. And then we had the uh Nuggets minus three and a half or three or whatever that Butsy gave out. But to me, I'm I'm putting a little bit of cash on the heat tomorrow because for no real reason other than it's just like a weird gut feeling that this team is a bunch of cockroaches, as in they don't die. They just come back somehow. And I feel it in my bones that for whatever reason, tomorrow is going to be the Jimmy Butler 45-point game, uh, close final second you know, game winner or like win by three uh, game for the Heat here. I can't really explain it. This team is unexplainable, though, so I feel like... I feel comfortable in saying I'm I'm doing a little bit of a lean towards the heat money line just because there's something in the air, in my opinion. Yeah, I do want to throw in also the the three-point shooting stuff and the variance with this heat team is crazy. They shot 33% from three in game one. Then they come out, shoot 48, maybe even 49, closer to 49 in game two. They win game two. They come out last night, 
They're ice cold, uh, just under 36% from three. And I, like Max said, you can never, or like Butsy said, you can never count them out as in they're not going to have a good shooting night. They're going to have another big shooting night. I think that happens tomorrow. I don't know if it's the big Jimmy game, um, but I think they, they get back to red hot from three. Where the fuck's but- Caleb Martin been? I think is a good question. He had uh, a stretch last night where he scored eight straight, and that was the only Caleb Martin sighting for the whole game. He was literally getting talked about like he was an all-star about a week and a half ago, and he was playing like an all-star in the Eastern Conference Finals. So they're going to need him to step up a little bit, but overall I think for them it's pretty simple. They have to knock down shots, and Jimmy I just think has to be slightly more aggressive and, and get back to who he is. Jordan, you talked about the three-point variance with the Heat team and that being the key to their wins. To me, I, I sort of disagree with that. I think it's the the field goal percentage in general, not three-pointers, because if you look at it, they took 92 field goals last night, and they only hit 34 of them, so they shot 37% from the field. They're taking a lot of mid-range jumpers and trying to get in, get it in around the rim, and they're just missing. And to me, that's not a variance thing. That's more of an interior defense thing from Denver. Um I know they do kind of live and die by the three, but I think the variance thing is less, it's less of a variable when you're talking about, uh, you know, missing inside shots like that, because that's, that's more of a defensive thing than an offensive thing, in my opinion. Yeah, I don't know. I, I just think the way that they won game two was clearly by knocking down shots. And then that kind of opens up getting into the paint. The other way they won game two, by the way, was the adjustment of Kevin Love. He only played 16 minutes last night. I I couldn't really figure out why. Aaron Gordon was also having a great game. He kept getting seals on smaller guys. I didn't really understand why Caleb Martin was getting the minutes over Kevin Love. Um, Caleb Martin played twice the minutes of Kevin Love. I didn't like that move. I think it was a clearly great adjustment by Spo in game two. And I would expect them to go back to that in game four. I it, To me, it sort of seemed like they put Kevin Love, uh, well, they had him in or had him out rather bec- for Caleb Martin because they needed the offense. I think they were just going to live with, they were kind of doing the thing where they let Jokic uh, shoot, it felt like. Um, and I think that's why they took Kevin Love out and, and kept Caleb Martin in in order to make up with, for Kevin Love's lack of offense with Caleb Martin's offense. And then they just kind of were selling out with Jokic, but I, I, I agree with you. I think that's a bad move. I think you keep Kevin Love in there and it's sort of, you know, similar to the Michael Porter Jr. versus Christian Brown thing. It's like Caleb Martin didn't really have it after he hit those first eight. Um, and maybe, I mean, I guess you say it out loud, he hit eight shots in a row. Maybe that's why to keep him in in order to keep he him hit, hot. He hit three shots in a row. He scored oh. eight points in a row. Okay, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, maybe they, but either way, maybe they keep him in because they feel like he had something going, but... I'm with you. I think Kevin Love is the better move here. Um, he did have uh, only two fouls, too, so it doesn't really make sense as to why he was pulled. Um, One thing I don't think we're talking about enough, and I know Jordan brought it up for a brief moment, Jokic scores 40, and this team loses. Jokic has the first 30-20-10 game in NBA history in all we can talk about, or in NBA Finals history. And all we can talk about is how significant the Nuggets' other players were, like Brown and Murray. Like, Jokic's greatness is 
I, I, I feel like it's very, it's weird to me. It's so, so incredibly weird to me how he can do what he does and it gets overshadowed. Um, and I don't know if it rightfully gets overshadowed because maybe like the role players are the significant reason, but like it's hard to ignore these stat lines from Jokic and then go out and, and, and talk about these other guys. I know we're doing it and I, and I stand by why we're doing it, but it's, it's just, he does it so nonchalantly that, and he's done it basically every night. He's put up triple doubles pretty much every night for the entire playoffs. And, you know, every other game in the regular season that these statistics don't even phase us anymore. And they're yeah. so, they're so, natural to us for Jokic, and like Jokic has 30 20 and 10 we're like oh yeah that's Jokic but Murray had a 30 point triple double and Christian Brown went seven for eight like it's it's ridiculous how numb we are to his talent yeah we definitely take it for granted it's kind of reminiscent of Russell Westbrook's triple double year oh. the first time or, or the second time he did it where it was just every single night he was uh of the regular season he was getting a triple double and doing it with like close to 30 points a game so it's kind of like that where you just take it for granted and you expect it. And we also heard Steve Kerr talk about you can't stop him. No matter what you do, you may as well focus on trying to take out Murray and take out the other guys because Jokic is just simply going to get whatever he wants. So I'm not trying to overshadow it. I think like like we led the the show with, is he the best player in the world? And we all answered with yes. So I think there's that. I, I think it's it's almost just obvious and it's it's like become a non-story because of how consistent he is. The other thing I wanted to bring up and I want to get both your takes on this. The the Heat got destroyed on the glass last night. Absolutely destroyed. Um I think they got out-rebounded by 25. Now, they did take significantly more shots. Um but I thought Aaron Gordon, MPJ had a couple just offensive rebounds that led to putbacks and overall just a horrible rebounding game by the Heat. Another reason maybe to bring in Kevin Love. Um, what, did you guys think there was a lack of hustle from the Heat? I know that was kind of a story on first take today. I don't think I really saw that. To me, the Heat just looked really, really small. Yeah, yeah, I, I'm, I'm, I'm with you there. I thought the Heat looked small. Um, I think it was a combination of two things: Heat being small and and the Nuggets' intensity being through the fucking roof. Like this felt like a must win for Denver in a sense, you know, they, like, they played like it. They played like it was a must win game. I I, I, th- I don't think they wanted to leave it up to game four in Miami to, to kind of avoid going down three one. I feel like they wanted to take the series back in their own hands and they proved last night that they were the better team and that they were able to do that. Uh, they were able to do it in a, in a big way. Um, I know for the majority of the second half, they pretty much held on to a, 10 point plus lead and and were able to comfortably win this game. Um, I, I think it all stemmed from their lack of intensity in game two. And I think the Michael Malone sent the message that this team needed to play with that. If they're going to want to wrap up this series quick, because the last thing you want to let this heat team do is linger around because they will kill you. Um, so I felt like the nuggets played like it was a must win and the heat were small. Um, the Nuggets significantly are the better team. We all picked the Nuggets to win this series. Everyone in their right minds picked the Nuggets to win this series because they are the much better team. They are the significantly better team. And when they want to play like it, when they're motivated to play like it, the Heat can't step to them, in my opinion. I, I don't I don't even think it's close. And, and we thought, saw that last night and in game one. 
I thought um, to me what stuck out was the heat foul hunting a little bit. I think that sort of came or that sort of led to their lack of rebounding. It wasn't the main objective. I think it was more of the heat being smaller than Denver. Um, Denver's just extremely lanky. If you look at their their starting lineup, I mean, it's Jamal Murray, Aaron Gordon, Michael Porter Jr., Nikola Jokic, and Contavious Caldwell-Pope. That's a that's a very big lineup compared to um, Kevin Love, Jimmy Butler, Bam Adebayo, Gabe Vincent, Max Struess. And their lineup is a lot more athletic than the Heat's lineup. But I also noticed that the Heat were uh, flopping around a lot and trying to draw a lot of fouls. And I thought that put them out of position for rebounds and in some cases made it so that way they weren't even um, attempting or just in the area of rebounds. And I thought that had a lot to do with the rebounding deficiency, at least for the first half. Um, they cleaned it up in the second half a lot for sure, but that's what I noticed in the first half. Yeah. Uh, Max, weird Reggie Jackson sighting last night. What, yeah, what dude, he put, he, one minute, one shot. One minute, one awful three. Uh, strange. Well, he had he got like every stat. I think he got an assist and a rebound and a shot. Did he? In a, and... I, thought, I thought he only played like... He played... I, I didn't notice that he got all of... Uh, he played one minute... Yeah, one minute, one rebound, one assist, and a shot. Yeah, wow. In a in a minus Efficient. two. That, in a uh, minute. Weird. Can speaking of weird signings, can we talk about Udonis Haslam checking into the game last night? It took and him a second to get in there. He, he <laughs> it was... took him a second to get in, but he he hobbled his way up there. Um, he got the ball kind of on the short corner, short wing, and everyone's like, "Get UD the ball!" Like it literally felt like it was a make-a-wish kid getting the basketball. Like, oh, everyone was, like, like pointing at Udonis Haslam, being like, yo, Udonis, like, get, get Udonis the ball, get Udonis yeah. the ball. And then they got it to him, and Jamal Murray let him shoot. Meanwhile, this is this is the final. <laughs> That's but hilarious. Everyone, but My... everyone, like, has respect, so much respect for Udonis that they let him shoot. I have also... I'm, not, I'm not sure he hit the rim. <laughs> I he can't, he can't check into the game without the announcer saying, Udonis Haslam is a legend. He is He's the, the backbone of this team. He is the <laughs> locker room. Um, yeah, he, I have a take. Heat culture. Go ahead. I was pissed off today. I saw on Instagram, Udonis Haslam is the oldest player to play in an NBA game. That's a little bit of a strong word. The word play. He checked in. <laughs> it's a stretch. It, playing is a stretch. He checked in. That's about an all. An airball. Playing. Like I said, it felt like a, a charity different. case. Everyone was like, get you got it. Guys, guys, yeah. guys, get Udonis the basketball. That stat should be oldest player to check into an NBA game. Twenty nine <laughs> seconds, would... yeah. Playing is playing and playing twenty nine seconds are two different things. Um, yeah, good weird sightings for Zeke and Naji sighting as well. Uh, whoever that... he, whoever whoever Udonis just took that record from is absolutely pissed. Yeah, well, it's probably like LeBron or something. But yeah, no, it's I uh, or actually it's probably I don't know who it is, but yeah, no, they're probably pissed. Um, yeah, we saw a nice little a little. Uh, Zeke Nanaji siding as well. Peyton Watson got a minute. Uh, Thomas Bryant forgot about him. I was all over the Celtics getting him, and he hasn't even touched the floor. So, so go ahead. Well, I was just saying, uh, it's really funny because Jordan and I, especially, were all in on different buyout candidates. Uh, Reggie Jackson, Mike Muscala, Thomas Bryant, all, no, all three of those guys did not play at all, really, in the playoffs. So, if you want to find mixtapes, of those type of caliber players like Reggie Jackson, Reggie Jackson or Udonis Haslam. I don't know if you guys have seen this guy Hoopology on TikTok. Yeah. yeah. He is fucking hilarious. He has just the funniest clips of in montages or funniest commentary over clips and montages of NBA players that you never knew had a bag. 
and and it's just them going to absolute the, work. The like, Plumley bag just, is crazy. The Plumley bag is crazy. The Ben Simmons bag is crazy. Everyone, knew JR, that. everyone forgot that he was actually pretty good. Jr. Yeah. Um, but like Pop Tarts, every time he says Pop Tarts aggressively into the mic, I laugh my ass off. The guy's absolutely fucking hilarious. So, so go yeah. check him out on TikTok. He makes some really funny content. They said Plumley is like Magic Johnson because of his passing, and then they threw, they showed some of his passing and dribbling. He does have some crazy dribble packages. It's insane. <laughs> yeah, he does. Uh, that guy also has a podcast. We got to collab with him once we you know break out. True. He's, he's also so on my funny. all-time do not bet list after I bet uh his over two and a half points this year. And um that might have been one of the most upset I've been at a player. Um oh, wow. Other NBA news. Uh Chris CP0. Paul. Well, no, well, well, we got multiple Chris Paul stories. Uh Chris Paul got waived. Uh yeah. that's a that's that's kind of a big story. But the other story is um I don't know if you guys saw this, but he uh, went on an inter, or um, I think he got interviewed, and he talked about how his daughter gets made fun of in school because he has no rings. Yeah. Uh, the quote was, "She's at that age now where at school kids talk crazy to her. She had a little boy at school that said, your daddy ain't never gonna win no championship.' <laughs> that's kind of a crazy. That's cra- I feel bad. That's fucking crazy. Um, I'm gonna talk that's about heinous. the that's heinous. That is heinous. I want to talk about the Chris Paul thing. Um, yeah. So I. I when it started, this this story is really weird because he's not actually waived right now. They're trying to figure out yeah. what they're gonna do. So when it first broke, it broke that he was waived, and I was like, "Oh, Celtics got to go get him, um, sign him to a vet minimum, whatever." And then when it came out that he's not waived and that he's gonna be like traded, I fully take that back. I don't want to trade any assets for Chris Paul, but I would love to have signed him. But I don't want to trade any. I'm not trading Brogdon for him, who would be the realistic contract that would make it work uh, in a trade. I think. He's he's like what Brogdon is now uh, is what he was a couple of years ago. But like, I mean, no, no, sorry. He is similar to Brogdon with the injuries and the way that he's like a floor general, whatever. But he is way more injured and just I would rather have Brogdon than Chris Paul if I had to do a trade for them. So, I, I yeah, that's my take on the Chris Paul situation. I agree, but it still says they plan to waive him. So. In the event but they no, they so they plan him. they plan to waive him to sign him back to a smaller contract, is what okay. they're saying. Yeah, that makes sense. Damn it, that sucks. I was really hopeful that we would <laughs> go sign him for nothing. Uh, no ties, Jones. That makes sense. He's just basically gonna take a pay cut. Yeah. Dick. Um. Chris Paul threw out. I mean, not Chris Paul. Bill Simmons threw out a Chris Paul for Jordan Poole trade. That made me think. I stopped for like a half a second to think about it. I came to the conclusion that it's not gonna work, but. Just a quick little half a second of thought on that one. I mean, I don't know why the Warriors would want Chris Paul. No, I don't know that. I, it's more of to get off um, the insane Jordan Poole contract, and then you'd have Chris Paul in the expiring, and then once he's off, you have all that money off your books rather than being locked into this absolutely, like, like they're fucked next season with their, in the next couple of seasons with their payroll because of Jordan Poole's contract. plays amazing. Yeah, but I don't think Jordan Poole's going to be playing amazing. It just seems that yeah. he's like flawed. He, his mind with the game is just flawed. Um, and then the reason the Suns would do it is we talked about they need someone to kind of man the second unit with scoring um, and just someone to put up shots. And Chris Paul, uh, Poole does that really well. Simmons also definitely shoots the ball a lot. He does. He would. I think he would be decent for the Suns. They they would need a a guy to lead the second unit. But Bill Simmons also mentioned. 
um, Steve Kerr and going on Draymond's podcast, which yeah. made him think that Draymond will be sticking around in Golden State. So I, I don't know. Like, can they bring back everyone and just run it back? Is that what's going to happen? No, so, Jordan Poole's going to get moved, I think. So I I think Draymond was always going to stay. I just think it was a matter of whether he was going to opt into his player option or opt out and try to re-sign or renegotiate a contract. I think that was the the only, uh, I guess, kind of caveat to the whole Draymond situation um, because I don't think Draymond would ever go anywhere else because I think he knows that his value would be absolutely diminished on any that's team that's not, that's not like winning a championship tomorrow. I don't know. I thought Draymond, I thought there was whiffs of him early in the sea in the season um, that he might go later on. He pushed think, pool yeah. in the mouth. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I just think, I think it was just obviously extremely awkward and tough in there, but it seems to me like, let's yeah, revisit. No, no, no. Let's revisit this. Let's revisit Jesus this. Christ. Fuck you, Draymond. It's loud as hell. God <laughs> damn. Are you Draymond. My yeah, ears are, will never be the same after that. <laughs> Christ. Um. Yeah. So, I, I don't know. I think he's I think he's gonna say obviously like Bill Simmons because I mean it does make sense. It, him and Kerr. I, did you guys watch that? I I watched that clip. Um, I just I've seen saw a couple of clips. clips of it. Yeah, yeah I yeah. saw some clips. I didn't watch the whole thing, but it seemed like they were relatively friendly in it. And it would uh, it doesn't seem like Kerr would go on and then if he was upset with Draymond, right? Yeah. So Kerr uh, went on the record after they lost the Warriors because I think a reporter asked him about the future of the Warriors and um. Kerr said, "Like the Warriors are not the Warriors without without Draymond." Yeah, and then Draymond um, Draymond admitted so he's like, really... "It's hard to put up with my bullshit." And Steve Kerr like agreed, or no, it was Kerr was like, "It was hard to put up with Draymond's bullshit." And then uh, Draymond's like, "Yeah, I I understand. It's hard to like put up something along the lines where he acknowledged that it's hard to put up with the bullshit." So, a hundred percent. Yeah. So it seems like everything's fine there. Um, but yeah, no, I I do think in order to make it work because they're they're seriously stuck with what they have um and the current iteration of this team they need to get some money off their payroll um you have to get rid of jordan Poole somewhere i guess teams like the spurs would have just a ridiculous amount of cap room um would be you know options uh the other option would be like a deandre in two distressed distressed assets <laughs> swapped out i mean that's just a rough trade for b- both teams i i don't know i don't know but it, that's what you're looking at um You've Money heard of wise. a win-win. Could I interest you in a lose-lose? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> we I mean, both like, what, get worse. Well, what team do you think is really going to talk themselves into tra- Jordan Poole? He had a horrific season. He has a terrible contract. I don't know what team is like willing to go take on a four- or five-year burden that really stunts what they can do um, building-wise. I, I don't know. I think He's just got a bad, bad contract. Team, like a bad team – and a young team who has no chance of winning, maybe. But also, but there's not a lot I, of those. I mean, there's always some teams. There's that two are... really bad teams, and the rest are either like figuring out their rebuild. Like you have, you have two kind of levels of bad, right? You have, you have the Spurs, which at this point they're in their whole new level because they have Wemby, and then you have Charlotte, and then after that you have the teams that are figuring out their direction, but have you know bright spots on their roster and are, are clearly trying to consolidate and move forward. And that's Utah. That's Detroit. That's Toronto. That's um, Orlando, Houston, that's, you know, Houston. Exactly. Like these teams kind of know what they are, or at least are beginning to understand the idea of what they are. And they're sort of, you know, forming themselves into, you know, be a young play in team, playoff team, whatever. And then you have the teams yeah. that are going for it. So I just I don't, don't know. know. I think 
I think there's always teams that are looking to blow it up and reset. Like you, the Rockets maybe not looking to reset, but I I, I don't think I would rule them out. The T Wolves have to do something. Uh, yeah. The Bulls, the Bulls are in no man's land. The Wizards are in no man's land. The Hawks Wizards are, are in no team. man's land. The yeah. Tor- Toronto, Toronto's Toronto. in no man's land, in my opinion. Yeah. They, like uh, you want to talk about a team that's most likely to blow it up. Yeah. Like we we talked about them as being a big mover. At the trade deadline, uh, and, and could yeah, possibly they, they they could be a, a seller and they were a buyer. Um, yeah. we thought they were going to blow it up then, and and they actually went out and got a guy. Um, Ooh, so, Houston is so fun with Ime. I think Ime is the perfect coach for him. I yeah, agree. Um, get him in check, I wonder I, who they'll get in free agency. Like, who are they are they going to go trade for a superstar? Is Harden going to go there? But is Harden even that good anymore? Is yeah, he just going to go get paid and have fun? Like, um. I don't know. I, I think Houston agency, has potential, but the free agency market's not great this year. It's next yeah, it's season, shit. right, Max? Yeah, it's next season. This season is really, really, like, really... Like, Jeremy Grant, I think, is the star free agent this God, season. Well, I, like I want to I be kind of fair to Poole because I think he... The, the punch just ruins his season, in my opinion. Like, he was playing great um, in stretches last year's playoffs i know he obviously was inconsistent still even last year when he was playing well but i still want to see him on the warriors and see him get back to what he was doing i think when you get punched in the mouth by a leader of the team and a veteran and a guy who's won four championships like your psyche and your chemistry and all that gets diminished i think maybe this offseason gives you him a reset they get to go to training camp again. Hopefully there's not a punch part two. <laughs> Hopefully they're all on good terms and Poole can kind of ease back into his role and get his confidence back and things of that nature. So I think as of right now, his value is super low. Um, if he comes out next year and starts playing better, then I think the value goes up and maybe they can move him at the deadline. I mean, a punch all doesn't right. make you a liability on defense or it doesn't make you make really bad passes and it doesn't make you. It makes you not want to try though. And that yeah, and that affects I mean, all of it. The yeah, I don't know. It, it's an unprecedented situation, so it's hard to like figure out what happened. I I do think you're right, Jordan. Like it really fucked him up a lot. But I think that there's things that Poole has always had problems with, and it's the defense, the passing choices that he makes. Where sometimes he's had some of the worst passes in the in the playoffs this year. It was ridiculous. I mean, there's that yeah. one pass in the King series. He just throws it right out of bounds to no one. But uh, it takes some he's, check shots. He's twenty three years old. That I guess that's fair. that's yeah. That's kind of the thing we haven't mentioned. Like these but guys get always, a lot better. He, he's just always been like the. I know you get a lot better, but he's just always kind of been like that his whole career. He's just always. Bad. I mean, the dude's twenty three. We're like always but is at, at Michigan three he was years. Like that. But at Michigan, he was like that too, and in the league, he's been like that so far. He's twenty three. Yeah, but okay. people grow Look up. Marcus, Mar- people change. <laughs> Yeah, but you're not doing a whole different people still keep their same relative player types. They're not changing completely the game. Like Marcus Smart has always been the scrappy guy who does whatever. But his offensive just, game developed greatly. Yes, I understand that, but he's so still he can so Poole can evolve into a defender. Or at least a competent no. one. Yeah, I mean I'm maybe. I'm just saying, like, there's still the the there's still processing issues with him that, you know, drive me crazy. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, I agree. There's stuff about him that drives you crazy. I think when he was going crazy in like rounds one and two last year, we were talking about him being a future all-star. And now to completely sell all the Jordan Poole stock, I just don't think I'm ready to do that. I think actually 
Speaking of player stocks, there's an app called Mojo that lets you buy player stocks. Yeah, we got to start doing that. We have to start doing that. Also, if pools is crazy low, like maybe throw a little throw a little cheddar on it. Buy low, buy sell mine. high. I, I'm this, selling this, mine. This sounds like a this sounds like an ad, but it's not. I was like, that was almost one of the most perfect ad setups I had ever heard in my entire life. Mojo Speaking sponsor. of player stock, uh, there's an app called Mojo. Have you guys ever heard yeah. of it? Um, yeah, you, you guys can split my all my pool stock. I'm selling it. Sweet. I'm out. I'm in. You know what? I, um, I sold it and I invested in Tyrese Halliburton stock. I know no, that's, that's too expensive. That's, it's too, that's it's not high. A one for one. I know. I know it's not a one for one, but it's high. I bought, I'm going to buy in high. Um, just kind of <laughs> fill out the portfolio a little bit. We still have a little bit of Sohan stock that is real low. I, maybe I'll dip some more in on that. Talk about offensive game. Um, adjustments here but there's also i mean did, does anyone want to buy in on some cody martin stock with me not caleb but cody do you think we have a <laughs> cody martin going off next season uh maybe hangs out with the twin for a bit you know he might, he might get confused he might get confused for caleb's stat caleb. lines stat yeah. lines get um a little messed up based on looks uh i mean more like the morris twins have exactly the same tattoos too so there's never a way of telling who's yeah who. that's that's always fun if butsy had heard about the mojo app prior to me just telling him and he bought the christian brown stock he'd probably be in cabo with draymond yeah. right now yeah. by the way I, I i would be right next to him debating whatever <laughs> but if people who know me know that i uh am a deer and fox guy and have been a deer and fox guy for eons so if i knew about this mojo app five-ish years ago i probably would have dropped like every piggy my piggy bank on deer and fox stock because i I'm, I'm in a deer and fox guy what's all right mobley's, let's talk about what's mobley's you... price per unit right now because is that is that's probably declining i'm gonna i'm gonna scoop some of that up do you keep piggies sure. in the piggy bank i thought every penny in the piggy kept... bank my stupid all the oinks. Uh, i've known oinks in the piggy bank i've been struggling with words lately guys um can we, can we... A good one max thank you yeah that is a good one can we talk about game four uh predictions from the fellows oh. from the pod yeah, um, I, because my 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 Nuggets and five prediction is still very much alive after last night. Yeah, I yeah, still have Nuggets minus it? one and a half. I stuck with it. You you think Nuggets go uh, close this out? I think right. they win. I if the Nuggets show up with the same intensity, there's no reason why they can't win two like these next two. I mean, I I can't emphasize enough how big of a difference this team played when they were just absolutely motivated to play balls to the wall. Like, it was just a completely different team than we saw in game two. I think if you see the same team in game three, I know they only shot like 20, or sorry, game four, I know they only shot like 20% from three, and they still were able to comfortably get the win by 15. Um, if they show up with this defensive intensity, he won't be able to score. They're just not good enough. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to give you... I'm gonna Go ahead, give Jordan. you the reason the the Heat are gonna win, and I know I do this every single. He's podcast. always gonna. <laughs> Everyone yeah. zigs. Jordan zags. A, is that yeah? <laughs> the... Is there a stock for that? Because I'll buy that stock. <laughs> that Jordan is gonna zag. Jordan's gonna I say mean... something fucking completely opposite of what we say. It's like minus five hundred, but the the Nuggets' whole offense last night was Jokic and Murray two man game, and yes, I loved it. Yes, it was beautiful. Yes, they went off, but they. Jamal Murray played out of his mind. I think there's a world where Jimmy Butler uh, gets back to the physicality that we saw in game two. They get back to the the trapping him off of coming off of that pick from Jokic. We saw them do that a couple times. It actually forced at least one turnover that I can remember from Murray. And 
the reason that they went to the two man game so much is because these other guys the that we mentioned, the starters, MPJ, KCP, can't shoot. Aaron Gordon isn't a shooter to begin with. He scores off of uh, transition, off of putbacks, off of energy, off of being bigger than than smaller guys that get matched up on him. And the Heat genuinely played horrible on offense. Yes, the Nuggets played great defense. They couldn't hit a shot. Jimmy Butler has to play better still. He had 28. I know he played a good game in my opinion, but you still, like like we've said, he has to play better. Bam, worst game in the series, 7 for 21, 33%. Um, the first two games, Bam looked unstoppable, gave Jokic absolute fits in the mid-range. I think he gets back to that. Struess, bad game. Vincent, really bad game. Vincent's been their third guy um, this series, and you could argue this whole run. So I think Vincent comes out has a good game. The, the Heat offensive performance is the big reason why, but the other reason why is the the Nuggets' two starters just haven't been able to get it going. Vincent got one of the most heinous flops last game with that fucking, like, you saw, who was it? was Caldwell Pope, I think. He shot, uh, Vincent shoots the three and then pretends like Caldwell Pope hits him in the head and he gets the call. That was fucking insane. Yeah, and he just whiffed. Like he whiffed. Touch, oh my god! And yeah. then Jimmy had one where he like threw himself forward into this full force shot that they didn't call, and he just bur- yeah he didn't get it. the call. <laughs> I think uh, yeah, it was pretty funny. Um, yeah, no, I I I I'm sticking with uh, Nuggets in five, but my betting mind is saying just it's worth tossing a like a a bean or two on a uh, um the the heat money line just because this team's fucking weird and i haven't been able to figure out how to bet sides in this series um i don't really have a ton of analysis i mean you covered most of it that heat really just suffered one of the worst shooting performances and worst game from more of their players uh, congruently with the nuggets having just a ridiculous um game from their two stars um i always think it's funny when people are like it's not sustainable like you can't rely on only two guys to score and get you through. I mean, they only need two more wins to win the finals. I think they can do that for two more games potentially. That, that this has been what they relied on, though. I know, but I'm saying you were like they need to change with that. Like they can't do that again. I mean, it's they need, only need two more games. I think they can do that for two more games and get a win here. Okay. Um. So since I kind of saw the future, uh, last game with the Christian Brown play more and Jamal Murray shoot more stuff. Um, if I'm if I'm gonna take a deep look into the future here, give me a Michael Porter Jr. game. Give me an MPJ game. Um, I don't think it's gonna be a 20 point masterclass, 25 point masterclass, but I do think he's gonna have an efficient, efficient probably 15 to 18 points uh in game four and help the Nuggets get a 3-1 lead going back to Denver. That is my uh, you know, kind of out of the blue prediction. So if you guys want to throw some cheddar on Michael. MPJ's uh, overs and and points. Uh, it's <laughs> got to be pretty low. <laughs> you got one thing right, and now you're betting. Calling you. it. <laughs> just calling it. Yeah, just go ahead and throw some guys, cheddar. If you want, put all I said your if money. you want. That's all ridiculous. your money responsibly, responsibly, you did, responsibly. Dude, you took 30 seconds to go, mm, give me a Michael Porter Jr. game. Go ahead and bet those <laughs> overs. Hell yeah. <laughs> yeah, go ahead, guys. T- took a look at the stat sheet, <laughs> hey, first hey, name that and, popped up. And this advice and this advice is free. He's had a I'm not even charging series. for this yet. Yeah, I'm not even charging for this yet. You know what? Plus I think he's going to start a paid subscription. And it's going to be videos of just me going, yeah. Michael Porter Jr. If you're gonna want to, you're gonna want to go ahead and take his overs tonight. <laughs> no, it's gonna be you, and it's gonna be 30 seconds, and your eyes are gonna be watching the screen 
scrolling down, looking through the roster, and is going, yeah, go ahead and give me a Bruce Brown game. <laughs> go ahead and <laughs> give me Bruce Brown on over two and a half blocks. <laughs> All right, so you heard it here first, folks. Uh, Michael Porter Jr. MPJ shot it combined three for 21 this series. Uh, go ahead and bet his overs. Uh, Dude, Max, you're laughing, but I'm, I'm not. I'm, you can't doubt the man after what I heard last podcast. When he said Christian Brown, I was like, uh, I think that's too Swami, far, dude. I know it's Swami <laughs> Butsy, so I mean you can't hate it, but we'll it's see. just funny. If I'm we'll right see, about this dude. one, I might go buy like a lottery ticket. <laughs> hey, or something boys, like who's that. Who's been talking about Christian Brown all season? Dude, Everyone. you just have like a weird crush on him. <laughs> I do. I just fucking he's just you literally like guy. we were talking about how well he was playing and just go, God, I love him so much. I have a huge crush. Like I got a man no, crush say, on him. Okay, all right. <laughs> the, the the second part wasn't right. I said I love him so much. Can we talk about how, how Cody Zeller got benched? Because I think that's fucking bullshit. <laughs> do you? Yeah. <laughs> do, you, do, you, do you think that's bullshit? Why? You want to repeat that? Yeah, why give us an analysis on why him getting benched is bullshit. Oh, did the sarcasm not come through over the Zoom call? Uh, <laughs> no. No, it must have got lost in he translation. Played, he played 558. He had zeros across the board, one personal foul. Nice. What was his plus minus? <laughs> he was, uh, no, he was actually a plus four. Oh, oh, we gotta, we gotta get this man more. We gotta get this man more minutes. That's, a, that's a lot of why, hustle minutes right there. This is why plus minus is the worst stat to evaluate. Yeah, what's the multiplier okay. for hustle? Um, I have a question for you guys, and it's and it's actually a, a legit one. So let's put on our, our wait real quick. Caps here. Real quick oh. before you ask, is it weird that the Mets have a lefty catcher? I thought those were illegal. Definitely not illegal. But why they like never have lefty catchers in the league? Why? Yeah, why no one. Lefty? I guess just no catchers are lefty. I, I guess that's. Yeah. I guess that's just kind of the thing. All right, um, cut, the, cut that out. Cut that out. Yeah. That be, okay, that was just a bad <laughs> question. Uh. Anyways. Um. So, quick question. Out of the, I guess the so-called undrafted guys or these guys on the Heat have that have been, um, you know, really stepping up all playoffs for this team. Which one of these guys? do you think is the most legit and most worthy of getting a big contract some uh, sometime in the future? Because in my opinion, it's Gabe Vincent. Max, you can go. Um, hmm. Well, it's not okay, Caleb Martin because he already has his, he already has a pretty big, solid contract. So I don't think it's him. I think Gabe Vincent's a pretty good option. I mean, really like these guys are pretty locked up for the most part. Struess. Robinson and and um, Martin are all locked up, so I guess that leaves Gabe Vincent. I think it's clearly Gabe Vincent. I think just talking about their games, um, not even talking about their current contract situation, Struce to me is just a shooter, and when he gets hot, he's a huge impact player. He's a decent defender. Obviously, he works hard. Everyone on that team does, um, but he's a little inconsistent from three. He's still a very, very, very good player. Gabe Vincent is one of those guys that we've talked about that is kind of a dying breed, like a, a, a true point guard. And he is a little bit score first, but still he slows the game down. He makes the right decision all the time, um, makes good passes, doesn't turn the ball over. So, and, and he can score with, um, I, I don't want to say anyone, but he's, he scores very well. He shoots it well. Um, just a really rough game for him last night. But other than that, yeah, I think it's clearly Vincent. Yeah, I was kind of going on the basis of like, regardless of current contract situations. Didn't say it. Like if if <laughs> fuck off, douche. You know what I'm saying? Like if all of these guys were free agents, who would? Get well, the they're not. Contracts? Dude, Duncan Robinson's locked up for four years. Can you shut they're up gonna, for two fucking seconds? If all of these guys, on. 
if all of these guys were free agents at the end of the season, who would get the biggest contract? And it's Gabe Vincent. So it doesn't change the fucking answer at all. So why are you so mad? <laughs> all right. Um, because right. it would t- t- change your answer? Because Well, Struess is a free agent after this year. Just a heads up. Oh, oh, did you know that? Because you probably did. No, I didn't know that, to be honest with you. I thought he was locked up still. But um, Idiot. Yeah, my bad on that one, boys. Uh, Yeah, all right. Let's take a quick break, and then we'll come back with NFC South over under win total predictions. Welcome back to the Lovecast, everybody. We are here with another off-season NFL win total prediction. We got Zwick here. We got Butsy here. Today, we're doing the NFC South. If you don't know how this works, the boys and I are going to go over the win total over-unders that Vegas has given out. We're going to give our predictions for each team's record. And if we like any bets, we're going to give them out to you as some Lovecast replays. Zwick, um, is it true that you're on vacation right now? That is true, yes. Yeah, vacation pod for me. I love that. The vacation pod, he's grinding. Where are you at right now? I'm in Aruba. Whoa. That's exotic. Yeah. That's sweet, dude. How Very is it? exotic. exotic. Yeah. <laughs> dude, it's a blast. Yeah, I'm having fun. All right. Well, glad you could take some time away from the beach to come talk about this amazing division, the NFC South. Um, let's start it off with the Panthers. Just drafted Bryce Young. Over under is seven and a half. The over is minus 135. Under at plus 115. I have them eight and nine, Butsy. Where do you have the Panthers this year, over or under seven and a half wins? I have them over seven and a half wins. <clears throat> Excuse me. I have them over seven and a half wins at eight and nine. You look at this team, and they're not great, but they have a lot of promise. They signed a lot of talent in the offseason. Obviously, uh, getting the number one pick obviously helps. I think Bryce Young is going to be a great NFL QB. While he might, you know, need some time to develop, uh, I think his um, his brain, his NFL, he has a football mind uh and his mechanics are very and his are very good the only concern with him is his height and weight but skill talent he has all of it um so i think he's going to help this team win some games and the only reason that this line would ever be at seven and a half for this team is because of how bad this division is some are saying this is the best division of football not anyone on this pod um but a division with the uh panthers saints buccaneers and uh i'm forgetting the fourth team because they're probably horrendous Falcons, yeah, they're they're absolutely horrendous. Um, that's why this line is seven and a half because of all these conference games that they'll probably come on top of uh, a great deal uh, of the time. So I think over. I th- I have them at eight and nine. Yeah, but not a confident. Yeah, I'm not super confident either. They brought in Adam Thielen, um, obviously Bryce Young, Zwick. Where do you stand? I like this over too. I I'm actually a believer in the Panthers. I think they could be sneaky good. Uh, I think they have an underrated defense. Um, Brian Burns is one of the better pass rushers in the league. Uh, Jeremy Chin is great on the back end, and J.C. Horn is also great in the secondary. And looking at their schedule here, it's honestly pretty weak. I mean, they play Chicago. They play the um, AFC South, which is weak. And Obviously, the division is just so terrible. I mean, the Buccaneers are terrible. We'll talk about them later. But I like the Panthers. I, I'm a big believer in Bryce Young, and I think that their offense is honestly underrated at this point. I think they added not, like, the sexiest players, not, like, big names or anything, but Adam Thielen is solid. Uh, Miles Sanders is very solid. And 
I think I like their second round pick from the draft and Jonathan Mingo. I think he and Bryce can really develop a chemistry, especially in year one. So I, I like the over a stone and a half. Yeah. Not to mention, I'm looking at their depth chart right now and they actually have someone, their fourth string left guard is named Michael Jordan. So <laughs> that's, that's a good omen. I would say if you have a guy named Michael Jordan on your team, I was kind of our biggest uh, Bryce young doubter. Um, I just think he's too small. I think there's a high chance he gets hurt. I think there's a high chance maybe the NFL is a different speed and uh, not a different speed, but the the shock from the hits. And I think that that is going to wear on him a little bit more than it would for a lot of other players. So I am a little skeptical of Bryce Young, more skeptical than you guys are, but I still have them eight and nine uh, for all the reasons that we mentioned. So let's go ahead to the Buccaneers. Their win total is at six and a half. Over is plus 100. Under is minus 120. I have them five and 12. I think they have by far the hardest um, schedule in this division. They have Eagles. They have Lions, Bills, Niners. uh, Colts are pretty decent. Jaguars. And like Butsy said, most of these teams have really easy overall schedules because the division is so bad as a whole. This is a pretty tough schedule for being in a bad division. Zwick, I'll come back to you, and then we'll go to Butsy. Where do you have the Bucks this year? The Buccaneers are going so far under six and a half wins, it's not even funny. This roster is terrible. I mean, Caleb wow. Williams, you you are a Tampa Bay Buccaneer. Let's just say like that. I mean, they're – they still have Mike Evans. They still have Chris Godwin. Rashad White is good, but I don't believe in Baker Mayfield anymore. I don't believe in John Wofford if he's the one who starts over Baker. And their defense is not what it used to be. Devin White is getting really old, and it's really hard to watch him play at this point. Um, I think their secondary is honestly not bad. Jamel Dean is good. Carlton Davis is good, but other than that, they they just have too many holes. They can't stop the run, and their offense is abysmal. So, also their coaching is god awful. Uh, what's his face? Remind me. Uh, you got it. Todd Bowles. Todd Bowles. I think. <laughs> Todd yeah, Bowles. Todd Bowles. It was. He, he's. He, it's just hard to watch the Buccaneers play last year, and I don't see him having much to work with this year. And you're right. The schedule is hard as fuck for being in a terrible division. I mean, Eagles, Minnesota, Buffalo, San Francisco, Detroit. I don't know about you guys, but I love this under six and a half, and I will bet it personally. Go ahead, Yeah, the six and a half is very enticing. Um, This team, I don't know how they're going to score the football. Like, uh, are they going to score on absolute just prayers to to Mike Evans and Chris Godwin? I mean, they don't have a run game. They have no, like, Todd Bowles was brought in to, you know, go alongside Tom Brady because Todd Bowles is the defensive kind of minded head coach that uh, Tampa Bay kind of needed at the time. And Brady just ran the offense by himself because he's Tom Brady. But now that he's out and Bruce Arians, I, I don't even know if he's a part of the coaching staff anymore like he was last year. He was some weird quarterbacks coach last year, but he's probably not going to be a part of the team this year. Um, 
Todd Bowles at the helm of any team is 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 frightening enough. Um, add that on, like we saw what he did with the Jets a couple years ago and how bad they were. And the team that he has now is miles worse than that Jets team that he used to coach. So um, I don't know how this team's going to score the football. I think they'll be able to make some flashy plays, like you might see, uh, like the NFL account on Instagram post, like a Mike Evans crazy Moss touchdown because it was just a horribly thrown ball that one of the best receivers in the league goes and gets. But besides that, this team is is not going to score the football. They're not going to win football games, and they do have a very, very tough schedule. So um, I do like the six-and-a-half under as well. I like the under, too. I don't know what the Todd Bowles hate was about. That seemed a little like like a stray, but I, all right, that's fair enough. Um, I don't think he just does anything. I like. I just think he's 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 just he just stands there, and when <laughs> shit goes wrong or like the other team scores, they just pan to him. Like I feel like that's all he's good there for. He's, just, he's a good pan to coach. That and you can see the clear drop off after Bruce Arians left. Like like I know Brady was still last year, but they were Larry last year, but they were still so much worse last year than they were two years ago. A hundred percent. They had a losing record and, and won the division. Yeah, that's true. Awful. That that Arians situation was kind of weird. Zwick, Baker Mayfield, better or worse than the 25th best quarterback in the league? I have to go worse. I could I could definitely name 25 quarterbacks better. <laughs> go now. No, kidding. Okay. <laughs> okay, we're going to we're going to give this under out. We're going to put this on the squad rides. Uh this is the first play or not the first play, but I think this is Zwick's most confident play that we've had so far. So we're adding this to the list bucks under 6.5 wins um and let's move on now to the saints so saints win total over under is at nine and a half over is plus 105 under is minus 125 i actually have them hitting this over and going against the odds at plus 105 i don't mind this bet i like the saints this year um zwick what do you think yeah, I, I, I like the Saints. I think that they honestly have an underrated roster at this point. Um, I think that they're all – I know well, I know that they're always in cap hell, and I'm sure that they will continue to be in cap hell, and maybe this is the year we see Michael Thomas finally play football yep. because we haven't seen that in a while. But I think that they have an underrated offense. I think that – I well, I know that Kamara is good. Chris Olave is really good. Rashid Shahid is good. Uh, Jawan Johnson, we saw kind of break out towards the end of last year. And they added Jamal Williams, which doesn't hurt. And I think that Derek Carr, adding him is sort of a uh, lateral move, in my opinion. I think it's the safe move. I don't think it's going to get them anywhere. I think that the, maybe they'll lose a wild card game. But... I think that adding Derek Carr was kind of a safe move to keep people's jobs. I think that, you know, no one's going to get fired after they get Derek Carr and they win nine or 10 games. But I, I, would, I would go slightly over on this just because their schedule. Let me find their schedule. But I'm, I'm impressed. I, I like their defense still. I think that in a few years, the defense will be terrible because Cameron Jordan will be gone. Demario Davis will be gone. Uh, Marcus May will be gone. Tyron Matthew will be gone. So, yeah, I, I think that, I think that this year they can be okay and win ten games. But I think the future is very, very dull for them. But see, while Zwick was talking there, it seemed like you had a, a jaw dropping moment from something on your baseball game, which I, I'm assuming I don't want to talk about it. On it. No, you're going to talk about it. You're <laughs> what's no, the bet and what, just, what happened? It's just an. It's just a. It's just, uh, no, you know. 
I was um, let's just give you a little background. I had the this over today is the last leg of a parlay. It was forty for like three twenty. It would have just been an absolute you know lifesaver, week saver parlay. And uh, last leg was the Giants Colorado Rockies over. And if you know anything about overs in Colorado, they they hit. They hit very frequently. Ball travels in Colorado. Okay. And so uh, it got to 10. I needed 11. It got to 10. I had 10 and a half. Um, So I had already got the night off on a great foot. (laughs) And then now I'm watching the uh, Mets and Braves. And I had the Braves. And they're the only leg in the parlay that's not going to hit. And it's just like this team can't hit and they can't feel they, they've given up fucking nine runs so far they're just abysmal um oh, but enough about that let's talk about the saints for a little bit uh jordan i don't know if you can access this right now but i want to know what the saints odds are to win this division uh talk about them and i'll try and get it because i really feel like that out of all of the teams in this division they should be not a clear-cut favorite but a favorite enough to the point where you can where you can comfortably bet it and possibly pay pay a slight amount of juice. Like Saints, I don't think Saints are. Sorry to cut you off. They are plus one fifteen to win the NFC South. The next closest is the Falcons at plus two forty. Like one fifteen for this team who has a lot of established players. They have they have an established quarterback who's going to get you like nine ish wins. I have them around nine ten wins, but you have a defense that's still pretty solid. And in a really weak division, and, and they don't have a really tough schedule, but they don't have the easiest schedule on the planet either. Um, I think that this team could easily win the division at plus 115. That actually, regardless of the their win total, that's going to be my play, is, is going to be um, the Saints to win the division at plus 115. Because I think getting plus money for this team to win the division and the next closest is the Falcons, like, like come on. Like, I, I really don't think there's a way – that this team loses a division to any of these other teams. I, yeah. I, I really just don't see it. Yeah, that I, I kind of agree with that. I do also really like this defense. I know they are aging and they're not going to be there forever, but for this year, um, you know, the cap situation doesn't kill them if we're talking about strictly just this year. So I also think Chris Olave is going to break out or he already broke out, but like he's, he's legit and he's here to stay. He's, he's a legit number one receiver in my opinion. And they also have Michael Thomas, who at this point, if you get eight games out of him, that's a huge win. Um, And then Derek Carr, I, I was really excited for Derek Carr last year and he let me down with Josh McDaniels and all those weapons. But I do think he's better than Jameis. I know Zwick, you said it's a lateral move. It it is kind of lateral. It doesn't like get them over the hump by any means. But to get over nine and a half wins, I do like this over. Let's go. Maybe we we throw this in our leans section. Um, but for now, let's go talk about the Falcons, who are uh, priced at eight and a half. The over is plus one ten. Under is minus one thirty. I have them going under. I have them seven and ten. Zwick, what do you think? Yeah, I don't hate the f- – what did you say the line was? Eight and a half. Eight and a half. I like – I don't hate the Falcons. I sort of like them. I think that the Falcons and Panthers could be, like, sneaky good this year. I think the Saints should be the the favorite to win the division, but I wouldn't be surprised if the, the Panthers and uh, Falcons made a run at them or didn't make it so easy for them. Uh, I really liked what the Falcons did in free agency. They handed out a bunch of money. They gave money to Jesse Bates. They gave money to 
Bud Dupree, and they really uh, beefed up their defense. But I still think it has a lot of holes. I know A.J. Terrell is still there. He's a really good corner. But I still am unsure on Desmond Ritter, if I'm being honest, even if he is their day one starter. I think he should be. But I'm still unsure on him. But they do have, I think, one of the best – maybe the best young, like very, very young core, like offensive core. Like I would say like not counting like the Bengals, like the Bills, like the Dolphins. I think that they're all a little older, but I think that Kyle Pitts, Drake London, Desmond Ritter and Bijan is a really, really good group. And I think that if those guys can mesh and I know they have one of the best offensive lines in the league. So I think if those guys can mesh and Desmond Ritter can play well, I think they could have a top 10 offense. I don't know if that's too bold to say, but I really like their offense and their young core, but their defense still makes me nervous. And I don't yeah. see them being able to get that many stops. Yeah. Part of the reason I have them under is because I just know nothing about Desmond Ritter. As you both know, I don't really watch college football and he hasn't really played significant snaps in the NFL. So I just have doubts there. I always have doubts when it's a first year QB. But see, I know you watch more college than I do. The two guys I want to ask you about is, first of all, Desmond Ritter, and if you got a chance to watch a lot of him, but also did you get a chance to watch a lot of Bijan Robinson and what you thought of him? Yeah, I didn't get a chance to watch a ton of Desmond. Um, I'm kind of in the same boat with you there. I don't know a ton about him, but Bijan, I watched a lot of last year, and I was just actually just kind of thought of this now. He's going to be a guy that I place money on to win rookie, offensive rookie of the year. Like Swick talked about how good their O-line is. Um, I think this could be an exciting team. Like, I, I think this could be an exciting team to watch on Sundays because of how good this young core is. I don't have a ton of faith in the QB play, but I do have faith in their O-line, like Zwick said, and I also have a lot of faith in Bijan. Bijan was the most elusive running back in college football last year, and it really wasn't even close. Um, the way he could just fucking pick a hole and, and hit it. And the way he was also able to uh, navigate the line of scrimmage, I thought was unbelievable. Uh, he made some great cuts. All He made great cuts all year. Uh, always found the seams and, and hit him hard. He was also great in the open field. When he when he got by the, uh, the line of scrimmage and was able to get past the linebackers, he could beat out corners um, to the end zone. So I'm a big, big fan of Bijan. I think he's an incredible talent. I saw a stat, or not a stat, a report as well, that the Falcons were using Bijan everywhere. So they were using him as like a running back, a wide receiver, a fullback, and, and all the positions. Like they were trying to line him up everywhere. I think they even said tight end. So uh, expect him to be a very versatile player this year um, and play a lot of, you know, different roles for this offense who's kind of just beginning to find themselves uh, and, and, and coming into their own and creating an identity. So I don't know what Bijan's line is to win offensive rookie of the year, but uh, I, I would I would place a, a wager on that as well. Um, but I do think this team could be exciting to watch on Sundays. Yeah, they also they still have Tyler Algier and Cordero Patterson, um, two service, serviceable backs. So they have a ton of weapons, a ton of stuff that they can do offensively. Zwick, why don't you educate me and Butsy on Ritter? Because neither one of us really got to see him. Was he a big high school name? Is that why he's popping up or did he have a huge college career? I don't even know. I don't know if he was a big name in high school, but I obviously like I watched him play in person my whole freshman year and he was fun to watch. I mean, he was playing in kind of an easy AAC schedule, but I think he has a good arm, uh, but an NFL arm is hard to have. And I don't know if he has that right now, but 
I would love for him to prove me wrong. I know he showed some flashes last year. Um, I think he played like three or four games towards the end of the season. But he has a really great group around him, and he has a really good coaching staff to help him. So I would not be surprised if he if he balls out next year. Yeah, I didn't even connect the dots that you got to watch him your freshman year. Are you yeah. betting on your guy here? Are you taking this over if you had to? Gun, uh, gun to your head. Toy gun to your head. Toy, yeah, sorry, toy gun to your head. Water gun to your head. You said seven and a half? Uh, I think it's eight and a half. Eight and a half. Eight and a half? Yeah, it's eight and a half. I would probably go under. Okay. All right, Bussy, are you riding the train? I I don't think so. I don't think I'm going to. I don't think I'm going to ride the train. I I think this falls under the lean category, (laughs) unfortunately. Um, Like I said, this team can't has the potential to be exciting. And in such a weak division, they could make some noise. And, you know, they do have the second best odds to win the division. And they they have the second best odds for a reason. I know that it's plus 280 or whatever it was, but great young core. If Desmond Ritter pans out this season, I think this team hits nine wins, but it, it, I think this all relies on Ritter, in my opinion. The the one thing we didn't mention is uh, I'm just going to list their tough out-of-division games. Lions, Jags, Vikings. That's really – that's it. The The other out-of-division games are super winnable. Um, Packers, Texans, Commanders, uh, Cardinals. Like, uh, they have the Jets too, so that's kind of tough. But they, they definitely – got a break with the schedule so eight and a half kind of makes sense as a line when you look at it that way um but yeah i still like the under it's minus 130 taking the over would kind of be a bet on this offense to like zwick said have have a chance to go top 10 all right so that wraps it up for our divisions we have after this episode we have the bucks under six and a half um, as a squad ride, and then we had a lean on what? Um, I have the lean on Bijan, offensive rookie of the year. I have lean on Saints to win the division, and then you guys have the Falcons under as a lean. Right? Did, did I hit all those? Yeah, I thought we had another win total lean. Was it the Saints to go over? Saints. Yeah, it was the Saints to go over, nine and a half. Yeah. Um, okay. Cool. All right. Any closing thoughts from you guys? I can't wait for football. Uh, I'm going to say at the end of every podcast, I can't wait for football. I can't wait for football, and the Buccaneers are going to win three games. All right. Zwick, Zwick's reputation is now on the line. If that bet misses, <laughs> you know who yeah. Caleb Williams yeah. will be a Buccaneer. Caleb Williams will be a Buccaneer. Okay. You heard it here first. So, actually, actually I want to uh, – I saw an analogy because Webb and Yama obviously going to the Spurs is kind of like big basketball news, but I saw an analogy and it was like for football people, this is the equivalent of Caleb Williams going to the Patriots. Is that, is that accurate? Is that like an accurate analogy? What? Yeah. The, the Spurs and the Pats comparison. I mean, I don't know if Caleb Williams is accurate to Webb and Yama. That's I what I think have, too. Yeah. Have a more, uh, a yeah. better answer for that. Like who, who's the best quarterback prospect ever? Was it Manning? Yeah, probably Peyton Manning. Um, 
Who else was really good? Cam Newton. Shoot. Trevor Lawrence. Cam Newton was really fucking good. Tre- oh, yeah, Trevor Lawrence. That's what I was going to say. Trevor Lawrence is probably one of the best. Caleb Williams will be one of the best or is already one of the best. Deshaun Watson was really good. Joe Burrow. Um, but Peyton Manning was probably yeah. the best one. Yeah, I don't think it's quite comparable to Wembenyama. I do like the Spurs and the Pats comparison, though. That makes a mm, lot of sense. I agree. Uh, with that said, we're going to wrap this episode up. Thank you for listening. We're going to be back. Uh, are we halfway through our divisions? No, we have. No, we are. We're halfway through divisions, right? Halfway through. We're going to be back next episode. Let's go with the AFC North next episode. A good division after a couple of stinkers. So that'll be more entertaining. We'll have some more, uh, squad rides for you. Hopefully, Hopefully some more bets that you can throw down and win some money on. Uh, Thank you for listening and peace. Alrighty, that's going to do it for us here at the Lovecast. Thank you all for listening. We'll be back tomorrow with Mikey, who actually went to game three. So we're going to be getting his perspective on what he saw in person in game three uh, against Nuggets Heat. And then we're going to also be continuing on with our division over under episodes. So stay tuned for all of those. Thank you all for listening.